0: Yes, we're back, ladies and gentlemen, episode 43 of the Hip Ramble. It's myself, Mark, on hosting duties today, and I'm joined by the wonderful poster boy of the Hip Ramble. Sean, how are we? I'll take that every day of the week.
1: Thank you very much, mate. Nah, no, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you very much. Good.
0: Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't be joined by Craig or Liam. Uh, Liam actually became a father for the second time at about half past ten on Sunday night, so we welcome another Hibs fan into the world, young Thomas McLennan. Um, So please drop us a wee tweet, a DM on Instagram or even a comment on the YouTube video just congratulating McLendall on becoming a father for the second time. But on to more important matters, on to the football, on Hibs, we made a perfect start on Saturday to our top six campaign by beating St Marin 2-1 at Easter Road. Uh, the controversy started early as we named the same XI for the third time running after a pretty dull one-one draw at St Johnston. Sean, what was your initial thoughts on the the team? Did you think it was fair to go with the same XI again?
1: Yeah, um, I obviously mentioned on on last week's episode. I wanted us to kind of go a little bit more attacking, just because we're at home and it's against St Mirren. And I do feel like <clears throat> that kind of starting eleven that we played against Hearts and that we played against St Johnston is kind of more on the the defensive side of things. Well, not de- defensive, but it just, se- it just seems less attacking with the players that we've got on the pitch. But on the flip side, to contradict myself, there's no reason, in my opinion, that any of them have needed to be dropped, especially the midfield three. I thought they've done really well. Um, obviously, Jaguar getting sent off it wasn't a sending off. So, um, overall, I feel like they've they've deserved a little you know, run of games. And I feel like every time Lee Johnson... Goes with that, we seem to get positive results. So smart move.
0: Yeah, it's it's a formation you could probably look at it as like a four three three, or you could look at it almost like a four one, four one type formation with Jego obviously in that holding midfielder role. When I look at that team though, there's not actually many people that I would take out. So if you look at our overall squad, you look at the bench and stuff like that, like there's nobody that I would take out of that first that start starting eleven and replace with somebody down the bench. Don't know about you. But like you know, you look at the back four, Egan Riley, Fish, Hanlon and Stevenson, for me that's a pretty solid back four. Um, Jago, Doyle, Hayes and Newell haven't really done anything to get dropped. Juan, Caden and Nisbet, again, are performing quite well. I'm really liking Caden in that advanced attacking role. He looks so much more comfortable than he does in defence. I don't know what your thoughts are on that.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think the fact that Lee Johnson really did not want to make subs in the second half as well just goes to show that he was one happy with the starting eleven that he'd put out and the performance that they were given, especially in the first half. Um, but also screams out that he, he wasn't overly confident with anyone that he had on the bench to come on and you know either see the game out or you know nullify the Saint Mirren attack or anything. And yeah, in regards to Caden, very happy with with his recent performances in that more advanced right-sided role as well. I think it frees him up defensively and takes a little bit of pressure off him because he has been at fault for a lot of our goals this season defensively. So just pushing him up and having that little reassurance behind him defensively, I think that, that's that's certainly helping his confidence.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, despite some moans and groans before the game, um, we got off to the perfect start. And for me, that first half is probably as good a half that I've seen from him this season. Um, but the absolute perfect start that came from hard work from Yuan Press closing down the St. Merriman defence, he managed to just nick the ball uh, off the, the St. Merriman defender, run through one-on-one. And we've seen us in that position before and we've missed it, so I'm not going to lie, I did I was a bit nervous as he was running through, but he, he managed to score and, and what well, kept off a perfect start to the game. Um, do you think that was a result, that goal in particular, in that early lead, was a result of how fast we came out of the blocks? And do you think yeah. that was perhaps a tactic from Lee Johnson
1: to to start the game really fast? I think he think he always tries to set us up to do that um, against the majority of the opposition that we come up against. It was clear to see that that was what we were trying to do. We were trying to get an early goal um, and that continued even after we got the first goal. We were trying to press their last line of defence. Declan Gallagher had a bomb scare in our first half, mm-hmm. which obviously helped us massively. Um, but yeah, it was good to see that uh, that we managed to get the goal early and not really take our foot off the gas, um, but similar to you, when Ellie, you threw a goal, I, I certainly didn't get up off my seat until I <laughs> went in the back of the net, especially after some other instances that we've had.
0: But he seems to be growing so much in confidence, I mean, he's, he's like a totally different player from when he first came in, obviously, it's Particularly with a young player coming from a different league, it takes time to adapt to Scottish football, but he's done unbelievably well. I think that's what he's seventh, I think it's maybe his 12th goal contribution of the season. Hey, I think um, seven and seven he's got now. So, 14 in total. So, he's been absolutely unreal. And I think now we're starting to be more confident in you when he gets in these situations. I still think that his decision-making can get better, and it will, but I'm starting to get more and more confident when he gets into these really advanced positions that he is going to tuck it away and thankfully he did that to put us 1-0 up but um, we ended up taking a two goal lead in the second in the first half sorry thanks to a Will Fish header from a corner Um what did you think about that I mean we talked about defending St Mirren really all over the place you would think a centre half you know they would be the number one targets in the box so you'd think they'd be marked out the game but Will Fish free as you like in the box manages to put it in
1: Yeah, he manages to get away from Declan Gallagher. He's kind of like, it's not even like a block that happens. He just kind of falls over, pretty much as soon as the ball's been hit. So I had absolutely, you know, no issues with it. I didn't think it was going to get flagged for a foul like you normally see with people falling in the box and things like that. Declan Gallagher was screaming at the referee and was expecting something to happen from VAR. But I think he maybe realised that he just he, he wasn't able to keep up with with Will Fish and obviously he managed to finish it nicely as well, which is which is great for him. He has a big target to have at at corners, and as the seasons went on, I feel like we've maybe got a little bit more productive, with, you know, from our set pieces as well. And you could see it the other the other week against Hearts, um, and you could see it again, you know, this yeah. weekend just there.
0: I mean, the turnaround we talked about, Elyuan, obviously. Um adapting to the game and getting so much better throughout the season but I mean I don't think there's a player that's turned it around as much as Will Fish I know we've spoke about it before but you know that game at Tyne Castle that we were beaten 3-0, that performance and that mistake obviously led to their goal I think a lot of Hibs fans would have been saying that we don't want to see him and maybe didn't think we would see him in a Hibs jersey again. The player of the year do is coming up soon, do you think he is a candidate for young player of the year? He
1: would definitely be in contention but yeah, he won't, he won't win it in my opinion, um, purely because he didn't really get a run of games until, you know, after the the Tincastle the bomb bomb scare. And obviously he wasn't helped himself by getting put at right back. I think that is poor management from um from Lee Johnson more than anything else. And yeah. Lee Johnson speaks very highly of him, um, you know, molding a centre half as he as he likes to say. So he's had a very, very strong season. Um I don't know if Josh Campbell still gets considered as young player. I don't know who the nominees are. I
0: think he is. Yeah, I think he uh,
1: is considered. If Josh doesn't win player of the year, then he'll probably win young player of the year. But yeah, Will Fish would certainly be up there. And at the end of the day, to win an award like that, you need to finish strong. <coughs> so he's he's definitely in and around with a, with a shout. It's maybe just a, a shame it's taken us that long to see that kind
0: of Will Fish. Yeah, yeah. I think, like you said, such a young player and... Centre half, I think centre half and goalkeeper is those positions that you don't often see young players making that position their own. It often takes loan spells to maybe a lot of non-league clubs down south or maybe lower Scottish teams, uh, lower league Scottish teams, to really build up their confidence in that position. But the fact that he's now, uh, you know, probably one of the first names on the team sheet, and he's only what twenty years old, um, says a lot about his character. So um, that first half for me was as close to a perfect first half as you can get really. I, I mean, I'm looking at the team sheet here and I don't see a player that I wasn't happy with. I thought, we pressed so well, we looked for it. It's not often that I say that Hibs wanted to win more, but that first half, we wanted it so much more than they we were. Running, closing them down. Every aerial duel, we won Fish, handling, um that back line. we done the simple things right. We, we played some brilliant stuff. I think Joe Newland, Doyle Hayes, until Doyle Hayes came off, played some absolutely amazing stuff. They were absolutely Rolls Royce. Was that a perfect first half?
1: Yeah, two goals up, clean sheet, and St Mirren never really looked like creating anything at all. I think we've had quite a few very, very good 45 minutes at Easter Road this season. I know Kilmarnock at home, Aberdeen at home, to name a few, but I was very, very impressed, not only with the level of performance but the fact that we were able to take some of our chances as well so it wasn't one of these games where we'll press and press and press and it's chance and chance and as a Hibs fan you just expect the other team to go up the other end and nick a goal and then we were you know struggling for the rest of the game but that wasn't the case and that was set really early on in the first half when obviously we got that early goal and then followed it up very very quickly with the second i do agree with what you're saying about jake doyle hayes as well i feel like as soon as he went off you could see that there was a real gap um, and mismatch in midfield, not in regards to the Saint Mary midfield, but I mean in regards to the three that we had in the midfield, where the the tempo just kind of seemed to drop, you know, ever so slightly from him going off, and it continued to spiral downwards between then and the end of the end of the game. But thankfully, we had created that two goal lead, and we should have been three or four going into half time. We absolutely dominated them, and it's just a shame that. We didn't put more chances away.
0: Yeah, there was that brilliant chance again. It came from. It was almost identical to what Joanne had done. This bit nicked it away from. I don't know if it was Gallagher, but he nicked it away. Ran in behind and managed to put a lovely wee ball into Cadden, who I think maybe just mishit it. Yeah. And it went sort of wide. Came out to Joanne, who who couldn't finish it. So that could have easily. We could have easily been three-four up at, at half. Um, I was really impressed with it, with the whole team, and I have to say, right, this is why I don't like being critical of players. Because Jake Doyle Hayes, when he came back from his injury, I said he played really well at Celtic Park and I said that's the worst thing that could have happened because he'll go back to being bang average after that. And since then, since he's come back from his injury, honestly, I think he's been one of the best players. So I am absolutely eating my words. So Jake Doyle Hayes, if you're watching us at home, I am truly sorry and you are a baller. All right. Um, I completely agree. I thought that when he got injured, by which, by the way, he got injured by putting his head on the line and that's what I was talking about winning all our aerial duels were putting our bodies on the line and he did that and unfortunately had to go off because of it but I thought the game really slowed down, the tempo slowed down, I think that midfield just lost a bit of its mojo and he went off and that's probably goes to show why Johnson has picked the same XI for the third game running because as soon as that XI, that that starting 11 changed, the team didn't look as as good in my opinion anyway. Um, But into the second half Completely different showing, in my opinion. Completely different team from the first half. I
1: don't think it's just your opinion, Mark. I think yeah. everybody could see it as clear as day that we were just absolutely stinking in the second half, from start to finish.
0: And to be fair, St Mirren came out completely different. I'm sure Robinson gave them an absolute rollicking at half time because, like I said, the first half they didn't look interested. There was a lot of individual mistakes. We wanted a lot more. And the second half, to be fair to them, they came out and they absolutely battled. They tried their best to win every second ball, every aerial duel, every 50-50, and they they, they did play quite well. We did have another chance to go um, 3-0 up. (laughs) I want to know what your thoughts at this point were, because I'll tell you mine. Nisbet, the only player you'd want that ball to fall and he skies it, right? I'm thinking we're 2-0 up, we've not came out the traps particularly well. This is a classic Hibbs capitulation, and we're going to end up either drawing or losing this game. What were your thoughts when he put that over the bar?
1: I, I genuinely thought it's going to be one of those days where, very similar to what I was thinking in the first half when we kept missing chances, that if St. Mirren get one, the Hibs fans are going to be on their back, on the players' back, and it's just going to be one goal after another. Next thing you know, it's going to be two all, and we're going to be struggling. Um, you're right. You wouldn't want it fall into anyone else other than Kevin Nisbet. Uh, I like the fact that whether he's going to be away or not in the summer, which I strongly think he will be. He's up for it between now and end of the season because he's clearly, in my opinion, playing playing for a move, and that can only really work in our favour yeah. as well because he's going to want to try and get on the end of everything. Um, hopefully, without him being too selfish in certain aspects of his game, um, and he continues to to sh- to show the love to to other attacking players. But I want to I want to see a little bit more from him in regards to maybe not dwelling on the ball a little bit too much. Sometimes he does that and then maybe takes the wrong option, very similar to Eli Yuan as well, maybe the final option, because he's maybe wanting to get that extra goal to try and impress and get on the score sheet again, but getting back to his actual chance, should be better than that, you know, 99 times out of 100, that goes in, but when it didn't go in, I certainly wasn't happy, and I was just sitting there thinking, oh no, no again, yeah. surely. I had
0: my head in my hands for a solid two minutes after that, because I just thought, "This like I know it's such a cliche, but it's so true, like, if you don't take your chances, 2-0 can be a dangerous lead. All it yeah. takes is a goal getting pulled back and then the momentum completely shifts, and we've seen it time and time again. But to be fair, you know, Nisbet, I thought, was absolutely brilliant. And like you said, he's probably working even harder to try and get that move. But even that chance which he skied, he started that through some, again, just hard work running, winning the ball, starting that move. And it was almost like a reverse of the chance in the first half. It was Cadden supplying Nisbet this time. And Nisbet's, sort of, I don't know if it's maybe hit off his shin or he's just missed it and it's went over. Um, but I thought overall, performance wise, Nisbet was really, really good. I think Nisbet's one of these strikers. Some strikers like Shankland, for example, when they're not scoring goals, they're maybe, you know, they're not playing well. Whereas I think Nisbet can play absolutely brilliantly well without scoring a goal. I agree. Yeah, don't I don't think, think, think be. shankland has been
1: playing <laughs> for a couple of weeks. I've not seen him, I've not seen Shankland play for about three or four weeks now. Not heard his name at all, so he must have been dropped or something, eh?
0: Yeah, well, I think, well, I don't know about Smith, but I think Nielsen dropped, has had form for dropping him a bit deeper. Um, but yeah, for me in this bit, even when he's not scoring, he opens up play, he holds the ball up well, he opens it up for those around him and I thought he did that really well <laughs> eh, on Saturday. But um, Simonon did end up pulling a goal back, and our nightmares were starting to be realised in front of us, because... Honestly, I do, again, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but see when that went in, I thought, here <laughs> we go. This is it's going like to be see, see the goal, right?
1: The whole game, I was thinking, oh, Paul Hanlon, Will Fish, phenomenal again, boys, brilliant. Like, I, the whole game, I was like, they're winning everything. Every header, one. Every pass, one. Every tackle, one. I was like, it's going too well for these two. like it was i just i've never seen it everything they touched or everything they went to touch they won so when the goal happened i was like oh right that's it heads are going to be down we're going to struggle back against the wall and it was a wee bit at times but it was a shame that it was them that made the mistake or no made the mistake because obviously paul hanlon just doesn't win that header and then the flick on Will's obviously expecting him to win the header and then that leads for the other boy to get off Will Fish and then go through and score. So it's kind of the two of them maybe expecting better from each other and because the complete opposite of what's happened all game before that has happened, that's probably why they both were maybe expecting it and obviously we were playing quite a high line at the same time. Yeah. The boy gets lucky as well because it goes through Marshall's goes through Marshall's legs. Yeah. So it's absolutely straight at him.
0: And to be fair, you know, to you know, not big up St Mirren, but I did think that fair play to them because they did come out in that second half like a team really fighting for something. I think Hibbs came out like a team that were 2-0 up and cruising, probably maybe falling victim to, oh, we should be 3-4 up, let's just go and kill them off. St Mirren came out a bit in between their teeth and, and they got that reward. You know, again, most of the goals were, I, I would probably say our goal and their goal, our first, was just down to hard work. You know, there, there was nothing really... There was no skill or that involved. It was just purely down to work rate, effort, and then a wee, a wee nicky luck as well. Um, but I thought we managed the game well though because that St Mirren end was absolutely bouncing, and our mood in the stands was kind of reflected on the pitch as well. We looked a bit flat. Our fans were a wee bit nervous. St Mirren were buzzing on and off the pitch, but we managed that 10-15 minutes well. I thought because um, we nullified them a little bit, we settled the game down, and we killed their momentum. And almost kind of quiet and bear away section down, so that we could play out that last I don't know 10, 15, 20 minutes relatively easily. I don't know what what did you take on that that last nervy bit of the game?
1: Like a lot of games this season at home, like you said, the 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 mood in the stands has has reflected on the pitch and the players have seemed to feed off that. Same goes with the. On the flip side, when we when we played hearts, the mood in the stands was reflected on the pitch. And obviously that spurred us on to, to go and win it. So it just goes to show at Easter the road, you know, the mood within the stadium, good or bad, you know, does have a massive effect on on the players on the pitch. And I think it's because they know how passionate we are as as a support, how demanding we are as a support. I often think that we that da- as a as a you know, as a supporter or, or a supporter base. We maybe sometimes expect a little bit too much for the club based if you compare our history to other clubs that we are competing with. So you, the players certainly feel that a lot. And it, it was evident on, on Saturday there at the weekend when you know we did finally concede and towards the end of the match it did seem to get a little bit more difficult and difficult as, as the game went on and a little bit more nervy. But thankfully obviously this time round we you know, were able to hold on. I think Hibbs teams in the past. If I think of Jack Ross, for example, there was a lot of times when we were 1-0 one, one up or 2 nil up and, you know, then they'd cut a goal back and then we'd be one in front and we would just sit on it and defend and defend. Whereas, obviously, under Lee Johnson, we've tried to get the ball and go forward as much as we can. It was a little bit flatter in the second half, of course, but previous Hib sides would have, you know, would have conceded a second goal and we would not have got the three points.
0: Yeah, definitely. And to be fair, you know, when we did concede that goal, I, I honestly did think the worst. I thought all the momentum was with St Mirren. Like I said before, the away section was absolutely bouncing. We were probably quite nervous on and off the pit, uh, the pitch. But I, again, I thought we managed it well. I, there wasn't too many moments after they scored where I really thought, oh, we should be that." That should have been a goal. The only one that I can think of, I could be wrong, was there was an opportunity for Curtis Main. I think it felt to. I think it just popped out and he was found himself right in front of David Marshall and I think yes. he's maybe just missed it and it's ended up right in Marshall's arms. Um apart from that, honestly, I can't think of many St. opportunities where I thought, wow, they, they should have scored that and I thought that was down to us being solid, doing the fundamentals well. And that's you know, fair play to that backline who I thought were were brilliant throughout the match and ultimately we've seen it out and we've got the three points and what is or what could prove to be a, a massive one in Europe uh, in the race for Europe, sorry. Talking about consistency, right, because that game, the old cliche, it was a game of two halves. First half, I thought we were absolutely brilliant. Second half, we were probably, you could be as harsh as saying, but we were poor. Yeah. It was the same, you know, you look at the derby, I thought for the 90 minutes, we were excellent. Then a week later, we go to St Johnson and we're really poor. And then that's divided into two halves on Saturday. Do you think there's an explanation for how inconsistent we've been? Or, you know, what would you put that down to
1: I think it's it's a mixture of quite a lot of things, whether it be player, player's desire um, from a motivational level, both as a player or from the coaching staff. Uh, the build-up is obviously different when you're comparing big games like Celtic Rangers, you know, Hearts Aberdeen, and then you're going away to you know, St Johnston or St Mirren at home. Yes, from a, from a fan's perspective, we want to be winning them all, and no doubt the players want to be winning them all, but it's obviously going to be more difficult to get yourself up for them. I think what frustrates me the most is we've had a lot of must-win games or cup finals, as a lot of people like to refer them to this season. And so you would expect a better level of performance in a lot of these games because you know we, we need to be winning them throughout the season. The amount of times where we could have won two or three games and then we could have been clear in fourth or clear in third, but we've not taken the opportunity and it's came off the back of maybe like a good win. And it is very frustrating. I think it's been like that for a long time at Hibs and I think it happens at a lot of clubs and I think it comes down to a massive, you know, different varieties, whether it be players, coaching staff, whatever, maybe even fans as well. I think that obviously plays a part. It's very, very hard to put your your finger on.
0: Yeah, because I mean, at, when we were doing the St Johnson review, I kind of said, look, we're obviously going to be buzzing against Hearts. We're going to be 90 miles an hour. We're going to be constantly on it. You can't replicate that that atmosphere, that environment anywhere else. You can say, right, let's, we played well against Hearts last week. Let's replicate But it's impossible. And we compared it to taking a, a penalty in the park in your back garden or whatever to the Champions League final. It's impossible to, to replicate that environment. But in saying that, you know, we've come up against St Mirren, yes, it's a top six class, yes, it's the sort of important one for Europe and stuff, but we looked on it from the, the first minute, from the first whistle, which just makes you wonder, you know, when these, these real crunch ties that we've had against Dundee United, against St Johnson and, and other games, why we've not been able to, to replicate that, you know, why we've not been able to do it against you know, Dundee Uniteds or St Johnson's or whoever else, but we've managed to do it against... St Mirren and any the other question is you know what happened at halftime you know what did that half time talk look like was it a case of right let's not take our foot off the gas or were they told right let's let's just defend a little bit more let's just try and kill the game and see the game out you know it makes you think what what are those team talk talks looking like does it take out some of this thing in the game
1: yeah I think this this Johnston one was a, was a bit funny I do think that was a case of from a team talk perspective it was a case of trying to hold on more than anything else, because we were obviously, especially when we went down to 10 men, we would definitely try to sit back a little bit more. Yeah. Um, as for you know, the, the St. and one, the, the, the first half performance didn't really come as a surprise because it was a must win, we did need to win it. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we then go and struggle against Aberdeen, but then we've got the old firm at home, and if we lose to Aberdeen those Old Firm games at home then do become must-win. So the level of performance is then going to be on another level because we're then trying to get three points or one point um, to try and stay in in a shouty third or maybe even, you know well, if if we could beat by Aberdeen, third's obviously out of it 100%. But if we were able to get something, do you know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me, regardless of the opposition, after the Aberdeen game, if we lost to Aberdeen, the next again following fixture, because it then becomes another must-win, another three points are needed. It wouldn't surprise me if the level of performances were then a lot higher again.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of Aberdeen and um, around the world, um, Aberdeen and uh, Hearts results went for us this weekend, finally. Um, So Hearts were defeated by Celtic at home, at at Tyncastle and Aberdeen lost away at Ibrox uh, 1-0, which means that our win on Saturday puts us within one point of hearts and I believe six points um, behind Aberdeen. So obviously going into Saturday uh, against Aberdeen, we were talking about must-win games. I think ultimately now um, Saturday does become a must-win game. If we have ambitions to finish third, and I know we're probably outsiders, then Saturday is an absolute must-win game um, because we are outsiders for third place. Do you think the results going in our favour You know, this weekend? I've just mentioned that we're one point behind Hearts, we're now six points behind Aberdeen. Do you think this is a must-win game on Saturday? Do you think it's added some pressure? Or do you think this is just business as usual?
1: I think... All three of the games that we have post-split, like the ones that are deemed as winnable, I think are must-win games. Um, I think the fact that Aberdeen have that cushion at the moment will kind of work in our favour. I do also like to think the fact that the motivation of going above Harps potentially as well and going into fourth place will be extra motivation. Listen, it's going to be a very, very tough game. Um, I'll be happy just not to lose, if I'm honest, because yeah. we've, got, we've then got the old firm at home, who are both not then playing for anything in the league, and I think we'll then be able to take something off them. And as long as we're either above Hearts or in touch and distance of Hearts going into the last game to get fourth, then you know I think we'll end the season strong as well. However, if we if we manage to you know pull off a victory away to Aberdeen, there is then not every opportunity that. You know, we could even then chase them as well. I mentioned last week that the fixtures that we have, in comparison to everyone in the top six, I do genuinely believe that the fixtures that we have and the way that they've panned out are the best out the lot. Mm-hmm. The fact that St Mirren are then playing hearts at home, where St Mirren need to get three points to stay, in we are shout fifth to try and get Europe for themselves, is going to work in our favour The fact that Aberdeen have the cushion, like I said, could potentially work in our favour, where we could maybe pick something up at Petaudry and then Hearts could maybe drop points again at at St Mirren, which has been a very tough place to go this season. Um, And then, like I said, Celtic and Rangers. Celtic will, again, I'd imagine with Ange at at the helm, they'll they'll not let up and they'll try and do their best to, to win, but they will have their eye you know, on the Scottish Cup final, albeit that, you know, we'll be three, three weeks down the line or whatever it is by that point. I am a firm believer that if we turn up at home against the old firm sides like we used to, I do believe that we will be able to get something. Um, whether it be a win or a draw against either of them, I think we'll get points against them and I think that will definitely work in our favour going into the last game of the season. So I just i'm really really hopeful that based on the fixtures that we've got we'll be able to get the points that we need to finish finish fourth and again if we if we beat Aberdeen you never know we might not actually
0: be that far off off third yeah i mean for me it's if we lose on Saturday third is i think i don't even think we can mathematically finish third if we lose um on Saturday whereas if we win we go to within three points of Aberdeen. And like I said, we've got the old firm at home and then we've got that massive Edinburgh derby in the last game of the season. So it is, I mean, what a way to to set a marker. You know, historically, we we haven't performed well at Pataudry. We've not won there very often. The only one in recent memory I can think of is when we beat them during COVID, uh, when Deutsch scored, I think it was maybe finished 1-0. Apart from that, I really, I certainly, you know, I've never been to Pataudry and seen us win, you know, and I've been quite a lot of times. So... Um, what a market it would be! I think you know, especially because they're on the the run that they're on. Obviously, taken away from the game that they lost at Ibrox, you know, they've won something like seven or eight in a row uh, under Robson. Do you think him getting the permanent contract could come into play?
1: I know what you think on it. <laughs> um, I obviously, I obviously hope so. I think if anything, from a negative perspective, is going to come into play, I don't think it'll be this season. I think it'll be next season. One he's... Yeah try to build his own squad and stuff like that. But listen, stranger things have happened this season uh, and Scottish football is a wonderful thing and it doesn't really often play in Hibs' Hibs's favour, but hopefully it does in the coming weeks. I think the fact that if we do manage to get a, a, a win against Aberdeen, Aberdeen still need to play Hearts as well. And at that point, Hearts are really going to have to go for it. Yeah. I don't know if it's at Pataudry or if it's at Tynecastle. I would imagine it's at Tiny. Um. It's just an absolute guess, if I'm honest. I think
0: but it's a photography, actually. I, might, I could be wrong.
1: I think re- regardless of Hearts' Hart's position, if we beat Aberdeen, Hearts are really, really going to have to try and go for it as well, because they'll know that if they can then take points off Aberdeen, they won't necessarily be worrying about us at that point. They'll be yeah. worrying about trying to chase Aberdeen as well, which, you know, mathematically at that point they can. And listen, they're, they're coming off Har- Aberdeen sorry, are coming off a, a, another strong performance. They maybe should have got a little bit more Ibrox based on some of the highlights that I've seen. Um, they're in a very good place at the moment and you know the quicker that comes to an end the better.
0: Yeah I mean Putaudry at the moment is probably top three places that you wouldn't want to go in Scottish football at the moment with the form that they're on but ultimately if we can pull off that win. Like you say, we've got the old firm at home. I know what we've talked about before is, you know, talking about environment and circumstances that you can't replicate. Celtic and Rangers, there's no doubt about it, have got the quality and if they play at their absolute best, they will beat us. Unfortunately, that is the reality. But given that they've not got anything to play for, Celtic may well be in party mode. They may well rest players for the Scottish Cup final. You know, they may not be at their best or not try their very best which could give us an opportunity to get something we need to hope that they are something about 50 percent of the levels that they usually are and we are absolutely on the ball rangers i think rangers are in a vulnerable position right now because not only do they have nothing to play for i think confidence levels are low i think you know a lot of them will be getting cleared out in the summer they may well know that that can trigger either playing for their position or it can trigger them to down tools so hopefully, and it might be hopeful thinking, but hopefully that does happen and we can pick something up against the Old Firm. And then obviously that, that clash at Tyncastle becomes a 100 times bigger if it's potentially for third spot or fourth spot. So a massive end to the season. Um, any other thoughts on Aberdeen away? Any predictions? Any? Um,
1: I think it'll be one-all is, is my, my early week prediction. Um, because it's a way at Bataudry that prediction will probably get worse as the week (laughs) goes on instead of
0: better Uh, Ladies and gentlemen that is not an official prediction yet by the way our our official predictions go out on match day and a Saturday so not an official prediction so Sean you're going for a draw I would take a draw as well I'm not confident I've got to admit um, I I think that we will probably get beat to be honest but don't mean to be a downer so do you know what I'll I'll go for a draw instead so I just wanted to touch on something now um, before we move on to listeners' questions, everyone's favourite part of the show. I wanted to touch on a wee bit of controversy before we kicked off on Saturday. A um, certain Mr Harry McCurdy, I don't know if you've actually seen the show and I didn't see it, I was only told about it, but the story I'm hearing so far, again I'm not sure you know how true this is, but apparently he was warming up and um, taking shots into an empty goal and he smashed the ball that's hit a spectator in the famous five war. Right. Which, the by corner. the way,
1: is some going? Considering <laughs> normally when they're taking their shots, they have the big net behind the goal I as know. well.
0: So it must have been right towards the end, as the players were all about. Like I'd finished a warm-up and going back in. I don't. I honestly didn't see it. I was only told about it. But anyway, apparently then McCurdy went approached the fan to apologise, <laughs> and the fan uh, wasn't happy. They had a little bit of an argument. Words were said, and then McCurdy um, ran down the tunnel. Then, I think towards the end of the game, all the substitutes had been made and McCurdy again went down the tunnel early. I'm not sure if he was maybe told to go and take an early bath or he'd done that off his own free will. Um, then, after the game, perhaps the most controversial, he put a Instagram story up of a, of a bench with the caption, what was it? Something like Chelsea, Nina, golf, Hibs. Yes. Very similar to the Gareth Bale flag. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Golf, Wales, Real Madrid in that order or something like that. Um, what were your thoughts on that? And do you think we will see Harry McCurdy and a hip strip again?
1: I think the best part to come out of all of that, and if you haven't seen it already, is pretty much straight away after it happened. Um, they were good friends. Uh, Leo McLennan decided to create his own version <laughs> where he put duh, 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 ramble, premiership, questions, hibs. So that's
0: the true order.
1: Yeah, so that was, that was great. part from him, so fair play. Um, in regards to the situation, now probably a lot of people will disagree with what I'm about to say right maybe you you might actually Mark as well Mark I'm actually not overly fussed about it if I'm honest at all right and that's probably because he's contributed absolutely nothing to the club since he's joined yes I know we've probably paid a good fee for him yes I know we've probably paid good wages we've done that for other bomb scares in the past Liam I'm not going to mention his name We've paid good money for players in the past and paid good wages, and players have been a flash in the pan. In regards to the actual incident, like I said, I've seen absolutely none of it. I'm only going off of things that I've seen online. Um, I've not actually seen any clips or anything like that at all. I actually don't really get or understand why people feel the need. And I don't know if it's a bit of shite baggery where when there's players in front of you to slate them. Like, I mean directly in front of you. It's different when you're, they're on the pitch and they're playing in the middle of the game and you're abusing them then or they're taking a corner and you're trying to put them off and stuff like that. Not that I condone it, but I understand it. What I don't understand is abusing your own players, especially to the point where he's coming over initially to apologise, right? Like I said, I'm just going off of what we've seen and what we've heard. Just take the apology and like move on. He's came over, he's apologised. I don't know what else was said from his perspective or anything else that he was said. I don't understand why if he's coming over to do the right thing and apologise, why has said fan, whether it be a dad, a mum, a kid, a teenager, whoever it was, feel the need to then abuse what is ultimately a young laddie from football in terms. This is me assuming that it's an adult that's Mm -hmm. given the abuse and not a kid. At the same time, he then doesn't need to then bite back. Again, that just shows his maturity levels. I know that he's apparently bit back and had a go. But I don't really care neither here nor there about it. More so because he's contributed nothing in a hip shirt. As for the instance, at the end of the match, when he's went down the tunnel, to be fair, I'd be raging as well if Matthew Hoppe was getting on in front of me as well not from a ability perspective, but more so the fact that he's on loan. His minutes have been you know, somewhat limited this season as well, and he's not going to be there, we assume, next season. And considering when he came on, I think it was like the 88th minute or something, maybe even the 90th minute, I'd be annoyed that I wasn't getting on or trusted enough to try and see the game out as well. Now, obviously, it comes down to your performance and training and your attitude and things like that and everything with Harry seems to be in the wrong place at the moment and I think I can't, don't know about you Mark but I can't remember a, a Hibs player that has been that controversial negatively and yet still been backed for so long by the fans Yeah. so yeah. He's, he's not scored a goal he's not got an assist he's not really looked like scoring a goal other than maybe one or two shots and maybe the 40 or 45 shots that he's taken since he joined the club. I get it, he's not had a run of games, but that's because there's better players above him. So I understand his frustration from a player's perspective, but you just need to be you know, mature and respectful about it. Um, and you certainly shouldn't be abusing your own fans or abusing the club in any way. And he's not helping himself in any way, yeah. shape or form. And I don't see a way back for him. Unless, of course, he scores the winner at tiny and it seals his third. Then everyone will love it. But, I, I, like I said, I feel like my opinion is maybe not as strong as what other people maybe think about it. And that's probably because I don't really care. Like, yeah, if he's yeah. if he's hit someone in the ball, right? If he's hit someone with the ball, fine. Go over. Apologise. Do the right thing. He's done that. If he's then getting abused back, as a human being, I can understand why he's then having to go back and why he's raging. Yeah. yeah. But, as a footballer, you need to understand that there's a certain level of responsibility that comes with the job, um, and he just doesn't seem to have that level about him, unfortunately.
0: I think. Sorry, echoing a bit. Can you hear me now? Yeah, that's fine. Um, I think in terms of you know hitting the ball in the stand, right? I used to be a season ticket holder in the famous five lower. And you would be watching the players shoot and whatnot, specifically to look out for the ball coming in your direction, right? I'm not saying it's the fans fault or anything like that whatsoever, you know, fair enough be annoyed, but you have to expect balls to be coming into the stand when they are literally like taking shot after shot in the warm ups. There there always is and there always will be people that get hit. I once got a pie knocked out of my hand and whatnot. I think Yogi actually, that was Yogi Hughes that was the manager at the time, ended up coming over to me and having a wee chat with me and whatnot. And it was totally fine. I think you have to expect that. And for him to do that, and then actually a lot of players would have just ran away. A lot of players would just put their hand up like that. For him to actually go over, I think, was over and above what he, what he had to do. And I would probably, like you, I would be pissed off if the fans started then abusing me for me actually going over and apologising for, for hitting the ball into a stand. It's not McCurdy's fault that there's spectators there. At the same time, it's not the spectators' fault for for being hit. So there should be a mutual agreement, apology, no problem, and then that's it, put to bed. Instead, it's created this, this bit of controversy. I think McCurdy is a bit of an enigma, which is why Hibs fans have kind of tolerated them, I think. Matthew Hoppy right? For me, just looked boring. I went up to him after derby and went, ah, oh, you know, whatever, like, buzzing, and he just went, yeah, yeah, okay, man. And I was just like, right, okay, fair enough. Whereas McCurdy was in the Albion, he was he was lively, he was loving it, and all that kind of stuff. I think because of his character, he's got this, like, mental dress sense and all that kind of stuff, his haircuts, whatnot... He is that bit of an enigma, which I think draws fans to him. I think Hibs fans want him to succeed so badly. He's even got that celebration that everyone desperately wants to see. Um So I think that is why we're backing him. But there is only so much that you can do before you've burnt your bridges. I think what's happened is he's probably pissed off not getting on. Like you mentioned, um, Matthew Hoppy got on in front of him, even though he's only on loan, McCurdy's permanent. He's probably put that post up out of anger, out of frustration. He did delete it, so whether or not he regrets it now, he's maybe had a chat with the players and, and Lee Johnson. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. What The one thing, and it might be a bit random that I'm taking out of it, is I'm 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 glad he's pissed off. I want him to be pissed off that he's not playing. I want him to go and work his buzz off to get into the starting 11 and be pissed off that Lee Johnson has to put him on. That's a good thing for me. Yeah, it was maybe not the best thing that he put up, you know, essentially Slate and Hibs, but I'm glad at least he's shown a wee bit of a wee bit of ball, a wee bit of character wanting to get onto the pitch, you know what I mean? Actually,
1: I before I read the caption, when I saw it, because I saw the story before it all blowed up, it was pretty much as soon as he put it up. He obviously had the post initially, and I did notice that there was no mention of Hibbs on it. And someone had commented on the post being like, mentioned him throwing a hissy fit or something like that and he was and he replied to the the fan being like you need to like stop making things up kind of thing Mm -hmm. i understand you know mccurdy's perspective that he's going to be frustrated and you want that as a player you want that hunger and he's clearly not down in tools and like you say i agree him going into the stand or pretty much to the stand to apologize is up and above the amount of times when i sat in the famous five you know, players would just wave and apologise instead of coming over and actually checking on them. Can you imagine how thrown off he must have been to go over, thinking this is going to be right, I'll go over, they'll be buzzing, I'll apologise, if it's a kid that I've hit, whatever, give them a hug, shake their hand when we get a picture or whatever, and then everyone will be rosy. For him to then go over and then get abused, whatever was said, I don't know, that would have really thrown him off and all and that would have just set the tone for his day. Do you know what I mean? Whereas if he came on, he would have been ready to go. He would have been raging. He would have been buzzing. He would have been right. And it wouldn't have surprised me if he had came on and put in a really good performance because he would have been riled up. But unfortunately, yeah. that didn't happen. And then it's obviously built up. And I don't. I'm not expecting Lee Johnson to have been aware of that situation at all because I. I don't want a manager being involved in stuff like that. But. If he was aware, would they have maybe then put McCurdy on? Because then McCurdy can go on the pitch, let off his steam, work his ass off and try and, you know, make a difference to the game. Whereas Matthew Hobbies came on instead, McCurdy's then went down the tunnel and then throughout the whole night, it's then just built up anger and built up anger. And then it's just, it's just blew up. Yeah. So instead of it blowing up on the pitch in potentially a good way, He's, he's obviously not got on the pitch at all and it, it's, it's went negatively for for him.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree and it'll be interesting to see if Lee Johnson comes out in a press or anything like that and uh, acknowledges that situation or acknowledges the Instagram post or anything like that because, it, you know, he did mention, Lee Johnson, that I think it was on our podcast that one of the main things that was missing from him was that sort of disciplinary process Yeah, and um, it'd be interesting to know if that's been utilized if you know what the extent of that will be if it's a week's wages or if it's just a talking to training with the development team whatever it might be and um, it'll be interesting to see or if, if he just lets it lets it go and um, I think it's important to remember as well you know a lot of people are talking about McCurdy being useless and shite and all that and look fans are absolutely entitled to their opinion that's that's part of the game but I think it's important to remember that he's had very very limited minutes and um, the games that he has played I thought he looks good in spells, you know, that Aberdeen game when we won 6-0, I thought he was brilliant and he deserved a goal, he deserved an assist, Um, so it's important to remember that there is still time for him to come good, he's still a, you know, reasonably young guy and, you know, there is a player in there, I think, you know, there is a player in there. Um, Interestingly as well, it was Brian McDermott's first time at Easter Road um, since becoming director of football, he was looking on, it'd be interesting to get his perspective on things because obviously, one of the main things he mentioned in his initial press conference was that he looks for characters before he looks for players you know when he meets a player even if they're really good quality and a good player if they're not the right character if not the right personality he won't bring them in so it'd be interesting to know if mccurdy is that character that he looks for and if he's the opposite he's the type of character that he doesn't want in the dressing room he doesn't want in the team. So it would be interesting to know if that might have an impact on McCurdy's future at Hibs, positively or negatively. But um, speaking on Brian McDermott, obviously and announced as director of football fairly recently. What's your thoughts on, on Brian McDermott being announced and um, how do you think he's going to impact summer recruitment and just the club going forward?
1: I think it's maybe a bit of a coup for the club, if I'm honest, um, based on the work that he's done, the connections that he has. Um, I think he'll bring a lot of positive stuff to the, the club. I like the fact that in his interview he kept referring to Lee Johnson as the boss, or I'm assuming that's who he was referring to, because ultimately you know, he's wanting Lee Johnson to have the final say in a lot of his stuff when it comes to players. I think he'll do a good job. Um, I think a lot of his connections down south will help as well. Listen, there's no pleasing in every Hibs fan, and it was clear when it came out that a lot of Hibs fans weren't happy with it at all. But like I said, I think it's a, I think it's a bit of a coup for the, the the club in regards to the positions that he's held previously and the clubs that he's been at. We don't really necessarily know how much money we had to spend on this position because technically this is a new position that's been created within the structure of the club, so it might not have been previously considered within the budget. So. Are we maybe spending a little bit extra there to try and benefit in other aspects of the business from a transfer perspective or a development perspective of the players that we already have here I don't know I think it's a positive move but realistically what do we as supporters know we we, we don't know we, we weren't involved we don't know the job description we don't know what he's going to be doing on the daily basis we can just assume based on what we expect a, a director of football to be doing um, I'm very happy with it, but realistically, time, time will tell.
0: Yeah, I was actually kind of blown away at some of the reactions, to be honest, because look, again, I know that football is a game of opinions and absolutely everyone is entitled to it. You know, people pay their money and and whatnot. But, you know, for Hibs fans to come out and say, he's not got any experience in Scottish football, we should be going for this person. You know, he's he was a chief scout at Arsenal. You know, you've got to know, you've got to be decent at your job to be working at one of the biggest clubs in the world. You know what I mean? Um, I think he's worked with Celtic. You know, I've, I've had a look at a lot of Reading, Twitter and Reading social medias, and they absolutely adore him. They were actually kind of complaining that they didn't bring him back to Reading in some sense, whether it be directed at football or even uh, in the coaching staff. He seems like um, he certainly knows what he's doing in the football sense, but he also seems, by all accounts, a really good guy to have around the club. And I am a massive believer that, you know, having good people off the park is such a major part of results on it. And I think, you know, our Scottish Cup winning team, you know, that era when we had maybe probably the best team of my lifetime anyway, um, a lot of that was based on having the right people off the park. Yeah. Um. And then a mixture of having really good characters in the dressing room all to create that sort of perfect storm. So, I think we've now got some good people in the club. I am a massive fan of Ben Kensel still. I know he's had his fair share of critics. Um. I'm a I'm a fan of Brian McDermott and I'm I'm excited about that future. And I'm still a fan of Lee Johnson as well. So, I think that um, we're in a good place and I'm quite excited to see what we do in the summer, especially because Ian Gordon is now taking a step back. You know, he's now gone on the board, and he's going to have a bit of a broader role in essentially running the club. Um, it allows footballing brains, uh, and that's not a dig at Ian Gordon, by the way. He's just he's just not got that experience, but it allows those footballing minds to actually make intelligent um, transfers. So, I'm excited about it. Um, I think
1: um, I think what a lot of people forget is we announced that we were going to be moving in that direction maybe January, I don't know, was it that long ago? Yeah. Um, it's, you're now talking four months later. So Ben Kenzel will have been working on this deal or trying to work on this deal for the last three months to try and get the right man. People were then moaning at the end of March, not even at the end of March, at the at the beginning of February. And at the end of February, people were then moaning, oh, we're not at the the director of football, what's going on? Like he might have still been you know, tied to a contract. He might have been elsewhere. We don't know the reasons as to why it's taken so long, but you can only imagine that if it's taken that long, the club <coughs> are their due diligence to allow the club to get it right and make sure they've made the right decision. So time will tell, but um, I'm quietly confident that, that it will work out.
0: Yeah, I don't think it would have been a decision that's rushed, especially because I think they're putting a lot of eggs into this basket and the fact that this is going to fix some of those recruitment issues, you know, that's been probably the the biggest news story, I guess, Um, is that our recruitment has been really poor, which is perhaps why we've been struggling a little bit, um, especially this season, but hopefully this fixes that issue. Um, But look, like you say, time will tell. So, um, now, Onto everybody's favourite part of the episode. It's time for some listener questions. Now it's time to answer the hip Ramble listener questions. Sean and I are going to divvy this up. I'm going to take the Twitter questions. Sean is going to take those on Instagram. So without further ado, let's get started now. John, the last time I hosted, and the first time I hosted, I made a grave mistake which I was severely punished for and that was not taking your question first so I am going to start John what's for dinner that was the first question so so what is for dinner tonight
1: I thought you're calling me John there for a second <laughs> um, I am having a cheesy creamy mash pie with green beans
0: wow that sounds that sounds rather incredible, I'm not going to lie. Well, today's a big day in my household because it is shopping day. I actually, <laughs> on my lunch, went to collect the shopping, uh, about 10 bags worth. Um, so it'll probably be a feast in this household tonight, I'm not going to lie.
1: Yeah, there won't be much left for the rest of the week. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, I think we're going to do a, a Greek-style sort of gyro, is it gyros? Gyros? Wow. Sort of chicken wrap, you know yeah. uh, I think we're going to go with those tonight. So, ah, there you go. I like that. Um, John also has a follow-up question. How important do you think it is to keep Jan for next year?
1: Um, to try to try and keep him or keep him? Like, is he, is he, are we assuming he's signed? Because I'm assuming he's signed. I don't know about you, Mark. As far as I'm concerned, the deal's done. Not that it's common knowledge. Not that I know anything i'm just extremely confident that we'll sign him um and i do think it is important that a player of that ability or potential ability continues his growth in the same place instead of you know stagnating and going to different clubs and restarting processes and things like that i think where he is is a good fit i think the fact that you can play anywhere in our front three and the way that we try and play football, I think that suits him as well. And, you know, I, I think the, the Scottish game helps him as well. You mentioned earlier on about him um, settling in. I think he'll understand that. He'll feel the love for the support as well. Um, and as far as I'm led to believe, he, he's, he's, a, he's a hip player next season. And, you know, hopefully he, he bangs in more goals and, you know, continues his development.
0: Yeah. I think um it's massively important that we get the deal done because I think it shows a I think it's a huge statement of intent from the board, you know because we know that his um his fee is something about is it three quarters of a million, million seven hundred and fifty thousand something like that
1: someone uh, that that was the initial rumor at the beginning of the season when it came out and then someone in the journalistic world crushed that and said it's nowhere near that. So I think people have maybe started to assume it's maybe around 500. I don't think there's ever been a guaranteed set, you know, in regards to the amount coming out, like a guaranteed figure. But I would expect that. I think I said this last week. If Hibs are setting up a loan at the start of the season, they're not agreeing a figure for something that they're not willing to pay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So regardless of whether it was 500 or 750. Hibs would have had a plan that if this boy plays well and if he performs well, we'll be happy enough to pay that. So yeah. regardless of what that fee is, my understanding is Hibs will be happy to pay it. They're clearly happy with the player. So I think they, if they haven't already, I think they'll have pulled the trigger and and the deal will be done, if not close to being done.
0: Yeah, I do think it's a big statement of intent because he's played really well for us. So the only reason why we wouldn't sign him would be a financial aspect of things. The fact that we are going to open up the purse and and pay for him shows that we are ambitious and that we want to keep our best players and that we want to kick on to the next level. And I think that gives the fans a lift. I think it gives the the changing room a lift and, and the whole club a lift. So, yeah, I think it's important in that respect. And also the fact that this guy's an absolute player and he's only going to get better. So... If we sign him on a permanent, you know, who knows what he can do from the start of a new season with a full another preseason under his belt under Lee Johnson, full of confidence coming into the new season. I think he could be one of our key players and, you know, playing on the other side of a fully fit Martin Boyle for me is a, an absolutely terrifying prospect if you're on the opposing end. And if we can keep Kevin Nisbet, that gets even more terrifying. So, yeah, massive. And. Um, John has also put a, a screenshot of Harry McCurdy's uh, Instagram post and said discuss. I think we've already discussed that at length, John, so hopefully that was adequate. I don't think um, i will be the only person that's asked that as well, if yeah, I'm
1: honest.
0: Yeah, Um Billy, otherwise known as King of the North, one of our competition winners, I believe, um, has asked thoughts on Brian McDermott. Um, we did have a wee conversation about that, but for me, it's a huge positive, and I'm looking forward to it. I think, Sean, you feel the same, don't you? Same, same, yep. Yeah. Interesting question here from Kev Wilson, Um, what is Brian McDermott's priorities this summer?
1: I think from Brian's perspective he'll be wanting to identify if the players that we have at the club already are one of an adequate level to take us forward and two do they have the potential ability to take us forward and if either of those answers are no I think it will be to replace those players and build on top of what we've already got. So it does maybe sound like a little bit too much, but I don't actually think we're maybe as far away from where we maybe need to be.
0: Yeah.
1: Where maybe I think a lot of our inconsistent performances come from the strength and depth that we have, and maybe this the the size of the squad. I think I said a few months back that I'll, realistically, a lot of our players perform averagely a lot of the time, and very rarely do we get a lot of you know eights, nines, and tens. So I think Brian's, you know, priority will be to try and get players in that can consistently perform at a high level, or work out a way to get the players that we already have in the door performing at a, a higher level.
0: I completely agree, and I honestly don't expect to have a really busy summer. Um, I think that we aren't as far away as maybe what it might seem. I think, in my opinion, his priorities are going to be retaining the players that we have. So we've got obviously quite a number of loan players that we're really keen to keep on. So if you look at the, you know, realistically, Will Fish isn't going to play for Man United next season. So we could potentially extend that loan, particularly if we get European football. Man United know that he's going to be one of the first names on the team sheet, he'll get European experience and that's going to help his development massively. The flip side of that, they might say, no, we want him to get a higher level, so we're going to loan him out to a championship side. That can obviously happen. The other one that you look at, you know, C.J. Egan Riley plays for Burnley, who have just been promoted to the Premier League. Can you see him playing in the Premier League? Maybe, but probably not, which could be, you know, a sign that we can get him um, for another season or two, and then obviously you and getting him in on a permanent deal is, is an absolute priority. So I honestly think that we've got work to do, and even with Kevin Nisbet, there's a lot of rumours going about that he might be leaving. So I think it'll be a lot about retaining the players that we've already got, and then adding maybe one or two real quality signings. You know, real, not just an under-18 for somewhere some Benfica D team. You know, I'm talking a real quality player that's proven at first team level. That's going to come in and make an immediate impact. And I only think that just maybe two of those types of players is what we need. Uh, Kev Olson again, any thoughts regarding the second half? The drop in performance was concerning, went from being in complete control to clean at the end. We did have a wee chat about this. Um, you know, I think part of that is because St not really upped their game and, and stifled us a little bit. I think from a Hibs fan, fan perspective, we always look at it from our end. We played poorly, but actually St Mirren came out and... and Played really well in my opinion in the second half, so yeah, I agree.
1: that plays a big part. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I compl- I completely agree. I think it it only works in, in in both ways where I think we weren't up to the level that we needed to be, and you know St Mirren obviously had to up their levels, so it, it makes our performance look a lot worse as well. Um, but we, you know, I wouldn't say we weren't in control of the second half because as you pointed out earlier. At no point did St Mirren really pepper our goal with loads of chances. So we were still doing a lot of the basics. Well, at the back, we just... A lot of it was breaking down a little bit quicker than it was in the first half.
0: Yeah. Um, No, I completely agree. Um, Next question, Jeff Ashton says, Streaky Lee now has two wins and a draw in the last three. Going by his other streaks, do you think the top four, at least, is a stick-on My other worry is that previous streaks generally didn't have the ugly sisters in them. I like that name, Streaky Lee. He's quite a streaky guy. Um, We are on a fairly good run, especially because we beat Hearts. But what's your thoughts on that, Sean? Do you think we can get top four? Um,
1: I think because we got the the one against St Mirren, I think we obviously stand ourselves in in a a very good position. I think it will come down to the last game of the season against, against Hearts as well whether we're still in touch and distance or not, I don't know. But like I mentioned earlier on, I am, you know, quietly confident that we can pick up something against either or both of the old forum purely because of when our fixtures fall, one of them being midweek as well. It's traditionally a good a good time to beat Easter Road, maybe not in recent years against Old Forum, but, you know, in regards to the level of support that we're gonna have there. So I think we're in a we're in a good position beating St Marin, but we need to we need to continue it, and we need to not be as streaky.
0: Yeah, definitely. Some consistency is the the main thing that's been missing this season. I think top four would be an amazing achievement uh, for me. I'm um, probably got my eye on fifth more than anything. Um, but you never know. You know, Hearts aren't on particularly good form at the moment. Can I also just add that they have not won an away game in two thousand and twenty three. And they play St Mirren away on Saturday. We go to Aberdeen, so potentially we could leapfrog them this weekend, but you never know. Um, I think it probably will go down to the, to the last game.
1: Got to remember, Hibs fans were putting money on us being relegated and in the playoffs yeah, yeah, in January. Yeah. So, yeah, look so, at
0: us now. Um, David McEwen says, getting late on in the game felt we had almost no subs on the bench that could impact the game if they came on. How many signings do we need in summer and will McDermott be the man to make it happen? We pretty much answered that in the last question in terms of probably be more about retaining the squad that we've got and perhaps adding a couple of quality signings. Um, anything to add to that, Sean?
1: No, nothing else other than that. Pretty much covered it in the last question. Um, and that, I guess, like we both said, we're, we're happy with the appointment. and um, Maybe two, maybe three, depending on how well we are at you know retaining
0: our current, current players. Yeah. Martin Corriga, sixteen, asks, How many points do you think we get with the remaining games? Going on what seemed to be a different second half on Saturday. How many points do we get from the remaining what four? I was
1: actually quite impressed with my, my father's question considering you've ah, um, shown a good level of uh football and IQ towards the end of that question, which is rare for someone like him. <laughs> um I think we need at, at least another at least another four if I'm being really honest. I think we need another victory and a draw somewhere in there. That's with the expectation that Hearts are going to drop at more points and, and so are potentially Aberdeen and, and St Mirren, but that's the beauty of the the top six, everyone, or, or the split in general. Everyone plays everyone and you've got to be at your best.
0: Yeah, it'll be really interesting to find out what happens at, um, on Saturday when St Mirren play Hearts because, you know, if St Mirren do end up beating them, that will completely open up that race for for fourth and fifth. Um, So that'll be a really interesting game. Uh, Jack Hibbs asks, if you had to pick either Fish or Yuan, who do you pick?
1: Uh, Well, Yuan's already done, so I'll pick Fish.
0: (laughs) If I had to pick, so if we're going by the assumption that Yuan does not sign, and we had to literally pick between Fish or Yuan, I am actually going to say Will Fish. Um, over Jan because I think that finding uh, I, I think we could go out and find a winger that might not be as good as Yan, but I think we could go out and find a winger that would be productive, would create chances would score goals. We also have Oil to come back at this moment in time we have Kevin Nisbet um, whereas I think a, a really good quality centre half is is tough to find and I think we've got that in Will so Long winded answer, but I'm gonna say Will Fish.
1: I agree for all those reasons.
0: Thanks, Sean. Um thought we slowed down a bit when Doyle Hayes went off. Harry or oh, sorry, this is Harry McCondicet. Apologies if I've absolutely butchered that pronunciation. Thought we slowed down a bit when Doyle Hayes went off. What's your guys' thoughts? What's your thoughts on Yeah,
1: that? completely agree. The, the the tempo and the overall level of team performance was was a lot worse after Doyle Hayes went off, uh, which is a a massive compliment to him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Harry is one of our many listeners that has an extremely high football and IQ with that question. Um, Because I totally agree. I thought the game did change a little bit. I'm not saying that was the whole reason why the second half was as poor as it was. But I think we did lose a bit of our momentum when Doyle Hayes went off because he had so much energy in the middle of the park. And I thought he was one of the best players of that first half, to be honest. Um, And hopefully he's back soon. Hayley asks, should we have made subs earlier? And my brother Cammie asks, if so, what would you have changed?
1: I wouldn't have made subs earlier, if I'm honest, because I wasn't really overly confident with any of the players that we had on the bench, unfortunately, Um, in regards to where the game was and what we were needing to come on. I think, I mean, at a push, I would have brought on McCurdy and Steady Hop, if I'm honest. But who else did we have on the bench? I can understand the Lewis Miller one, but again, when it's at 2-1, you don't want to be taking off too many attackers and going too defensive too early, especially when St Mirren weren't you know, doing too much of a threat. Um, yeah. So, no, is, is, is my honest answer. I understand why Rocky didn't come on, because he might not be match fit. We didn't need a player like Ewan Henderson at that point on the pitch um, and Stevenson didn't need to come off so there's no need for Sobriah to come on so overall I understand why the subs were made and when they were made. It yeah, just, I just really think we need that more strength and depth.
0: Yeah I, I think that it's dangerous to, I could understand if we were getting absolutely peppered and you know our, our full backs were getting totally destroyed and our centre-halves were making mistakes then yeah maybe change it like to, to freshen things up but we looked pretty calm, we looked composed, I know it was obviously nervy because all it takes is one goal but for me we, you know St Mirren didn't really do much and that was because of how well we actually defended. If you go and then take one of the centre-halves off for example let's just say they take off Fish and put on Rocky that could potentially disrupt the entire defence and just make them a bit unsettled, which then causes a mistake or causes them to get a bit of an opening. So for me, I don't think we actually needed subs and I was kind of in agreement. I think the subs came so late because it was really just to to kill the game a little bit and to waste a little bit more time and just kind of stop play. Um so, yeah, I, I'm kind of in agreement there. I don't think we, we needed the subs. I think we, we were quite comfortable. Harvey Scott asks, should we be starting to give some of the youth boys a chance in the first team over the subs that sit on the bench all game every week? I get these players are probably better, but we need to trust our youth. Interesting point. Harvey, what's your thoughts? Um,
1: I think it's a very dangerous time of the season to try and find that balance. I, I rate some of the players that we have in the youth team a little bit better than some of the players that we currently have on the bench. And yes, I would have them in there. I know they might be in and around the squad, or sitting in the stand, or maybe doing the warm up with the team, or whatever. Um, but maybe just not be named on the bench. But yes, I would like to to see them involved a little bit more, especially now that effectively their season is over, and the ones that were away on loan, those season, you know, those seasons are over as well. So it'll be interesting to see who makes the bench in the upcoming games. Um, but I can't see many of them making the bench, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, and this summer is going to be um, really interesting in terms of, you know, the youth that retain, obviously, Ethan Laidlaw, um, not seeing much movement in terms of his contract situation. Um, Joshua Connor, I've not seen anything about his contract. Um, Murray so,
1: Aitken yeah.
0: as well. What is that, sorry? Murray Aitken. Yeah, and... Well, so it'll be interesting to see how many of this this youth team we actually retain, or if some of them will move on. It'll be interesting to eyes- see
1: if we manage to sign any of them up with the pre-agreement that they'll go on loan somewhere. Mm. Like because they're now because for the last two years, if we use those three players in particular, because they're out of contract, those three players have played a lot of games at youth level and done very very well. So it'd be interesting to see if we're if not necessarily just those three, but any of the players that are, have done well in that um, in the in the youth squad where they've won the league, whether it be the one that won this season or the one that won the league last season as well. If we can maybe get them signed up or agreed with maybe like an Arbroath or a Queen of the South or Peter Head or so, someone like that where we can agree that they're going to go and get minutes um, and good minutes as well. In a, in a competitive league.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, one player that seems to have caught my recently is, uh, is it Del Fieri. Um, he seems to be playing really, really well for the, the development squad at the moment. So it'd be interesting to see if we start seeing him transitioning at the first team and maybe getting some minutes because he looks, you know, you see some of the boys from the youth team coming on and they look like boys, you know, they're in terms of the physique, the, the everything like that. Whereas he looks like he could... Getting the the, the starting eleven, it reminds me of Josh Campbell. When he got the loan, yeah. I'm surprised um, when he got the loan. When Josh Campbell came in, you know he looked like a man. You know, he looked, Ryan Portis is another one. He looked like he was built like a man. And Del Fieri is another one that, that, for me, looks like that. So it'd be interesting to see if he, uh, if he makes that transition shortly. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting point, Harvey. And hopefully, we do see some of these young lads coming through. Um, Ryan Gibson, final, well, not a question, it's a statement. Um, get the passport out. So there you go. Hopefully um, that's fifth secured and we do go on a ramble European adventure. I, book, I booked my
1: holidays in like January. January, February, when no one was taking holidays. I had them pre-booked just in case Streaky Lee got us going again. And, and he has. So just uh, hopefully I've booked them on the right. Well, the, the away the... legs and not the home legs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm really excited. I've never been to a European game before with Hibs and in terms of an away game. So if we do um, get into Europe, then I will absolutely be going wherever it is. I I don't care if it's in bloody some armpit in Europe somewhere. I will be going. I will be going. Um, Sean, do you want to finish us off on the Instagram question?
1: Uh, Yeah. So for those of you that aren't already following us on Instagram as well, we... Um, do a lot of stories, not only during the week, but on match day we provide match day content in regards to the rambles, travel to and from said match, videos, pictures at said game as well. We do some polls in the build-up to uh, games and probably everybody's favourite, the day of the game in the morning of, we'll post uh, a throwback of some kind to previous fixture or fixtures of said game for that day. So. Get involved if you're not already. Um, quite heavily active on that. We got uh, three questions from Callum McDonald. Um, he replied to our story of Liam said bench picture that we spoke about earlier on. Um, first question. I don't know if you heard it from your seat at Easter Road, Mark, but there was a certain song that burst out. Quite loudly uh, uh, around the stadium to do with uh, a coronation of some kind <laughs> <laughs> that took place over the weekend. Um, did you one hear it? And if you did, did you take part in said singing? Is is the the, the question question number one from Callum?
0: Uh, I did hear it. Um, I didn't take part if I ha- I wasn't drinking. If I'd had a couple of pints, I probably because I'm I sit in the West End, and the West End is very. Um, not like that you know not a lot of singing nothing really goes on even in the biggest moments. so and in my head i was singing it and i wanted to join in but i didn't want to be a nuisance to those around me but like i said if i'd had a few guinnesses before the game i would have been up singing it loud and proud What um
1: what i liked most about it is how quickly it grew so when block singing block singing block seven started singing it i was Quite surprised because obviously they made reference to the Queen's passing in a previous song in a previous game, and it didn't really burst out as loud as the one at the weekend. Um and I the, when I was sitting about four or five rows down from where I was, there was the Toriest-looking woman at the game. But she got up, arms out. the song out and she had her camera and she turned it around and she she was buzzing so I'd clearly you know just assumed her political party based on her look and she was she was definitely loving it but no I didn't take part either I was just um, appreciating what was going on the second part we've already answered about whether we should sign Ellie Yuan um, and I think we're both of the agreement that we should if he hasn't already signed on the dotted line Question three. Be good to get your take on this one, Mark. So should um, Devlin be given a chance, even if it's for five minutes, or is he a bench warmer until the end of the season?
0: I would like to see him get a chance because by all accounts, he seemed, there seems to be a decent player in there and he has played at, at decent levels before, but In saying that, we've got, you know, it's not as if these games coming up are dead rubbers. These are massive, massive games. You know, if if we were bottom six, for example, right, and we were seventh place, there was no chance of relegation or whatever, and the the games were essentially meaningless, then yeah, absolutely rotate the squad, bring in these guys like Devlin, Delphieri, all these kind of youth players. But these games are massive and it's not the right time to be, you know, disrupting the squad. You know, our back four has been one of the, the highlights of the last three games, particularly that fishing handling um, connection so for me no I don't think it's the right time to bring him in but that's not to say that he doesn't have a career at Hibs particularly if there's injuries and stuff like that because Rocky's still got a lot of convincing to do I think for the Hibs fans I know that he came on to a bit of a game but I still think he's got a lot to improve on so I don't think that Rocky's guaranteed to actually be ahead of Devlin you know, I think Devlin might have been training well and he, he might get in if Fisher Hanlon get injured, which hopefully they don't. But, um, yeah, that was a very long-winded answer, but there you go.
1: I think um, we need to remember how long he's been out as well. Yeah. So, and we also, you know, both Lee and Ben mentioned it on the podcast we've done with them. we don't know how many games get played behind closed doors just because they don't get announced. Mm-hmm. And I know these are just bounce games, but, you know, if, if he's playing in those games, he'll be taking them seriously because he'll need to get himself match fit. And regardless of whether we think he should maybe be involved or not already, ultimately, he's got a con- contract until the summer. So he's fighting for a contract. You know, he's not yeah. going to have anything lined up, I assume. Um, so he'll be working his backside off to, to do all he can to be a positive influence around the club if he's not on the park. Very similar to how, for example... Connor Cody gets called up for every England squad, but never plays a minute. Do you know what I mean? He's getting called in front of a lot of other better defenders. The Vines manager. Exactly. That's that's because he's good around the club. So not only and listen, I don't want to have players in the club that are just you know good for environment. I want to be good players as well. Um and and potentially if if Devlin can can do that, then you know I don't see why not. Um. Last question of the, the pod. Mark, this was meant to be a short one. Hour and a half later. Here we are. Um, from hibbs underscore page underscore 1875, who again replied to the the McCurdy situation, pretty much just asking if we feel if that's McCurdy's last straw, because surely he can't keep it up. Now, I know we've pretty much discussed that already when we spoke about the profile of the player that we should be looking to bring to the club as well. Um, one word answer before I hand it back to you to close us off. Do you think you will see Harry McCurdy in a hip shirt next season?
0: Yes. I think he'll come good. I also think so. That's my short and sweet answer. I think he'll come good. And that's us yes that is us yeah it was meant to be short and sweet but you know sean and i just enjoy each other's company so much that it's it's just gone way past the hour mark um but listen the more ramble content the better i'm sure you'll agree but um as always thank you very much for your company sean and thank you to everyone listening please remember to subscribe to our youtube channel catch us on spotify and also follow us on twitter and instagram for updates Thank you very much. Over and out.
1: See you later. Enjoy.
0: Adios. Bye now.